I don't know where to begin. Granny May is still asleep. She wakes up from time to time and looks up at me fondly. I've told her again and again what's happened today. She just smiles and pats my hand. I hope she understands, but I'm not sure she does. I'm not sure I do. Mother sent me out early as usual to fetch back some limpets or whatever I could find. It was too rough again to fish from the rocks. The storm was worse than ever. There must have been a dozen of us out doing the same thing on Great Porth when someone saw the sail. The rain was coming in hail squalls, driving into my face so hard that I could scarcely open my eyes. One sail became four, white against the black storm clouds. The ship was beating her way past Seal Rock, towards the tearing ledges, making no headway in the teeth of a gale. We all knew what was going to happen. We'd seen it before. A ship about to founder staggers before she falls. A huge wave broke over her stern, and she did not come upright again. She lay on her side and wallowed in the waves. The cry went up from all around. Wreck! Wreck! I raced home and met Father and the Chief coming up the track at a run. Is it true? cried Father. Have we got a wreck? When we reached the boathouse, they were already hauling the gig down into the surf. Time and again, the crew leapt in and we pushed them out up to our waists in the icy sea and time and again, they were driven back by the waves. In the end, she was caught broadside on, capsized and everyone was upturned into the sea. After that, everyone wanted to give up, everyone except the chief. Rushy Bay, he cried, nothing else for it. We'll be out of the wind, we'll launch her there. But no one would hear of it until the schoolteacher came running along the beach towards us, breathless. There's men in the sea, she said. I saw them from Sampton Hill. The ship's gone on the rocks. You heard her, cried the chief. Well, what are we waiting for? They lashed the oars across and at a word from the chief, lifted the gig up onto their shoulders. Mother was beside me now, taking my hand in hers, silent with anxiety. I stood and watched, yearning, aching to be carrying the gig with the chief, with father, with old man Jenkins and the others. They staggered up the beach and set off across the green towards Rushy Bay all of us running alongside. When we reached the track up Sampson Hill, everyone made off up the hill to watch from the top, everyone but me. I stayed with the crew. Mother tried to hold on to me, but I broke free. Father bellowed at me, but I paid him no heed, and I knew he was too busy to make me. Over the dunes they went, cursing and groaning under the weight of the gig, and I went with them, and that was where Father went down with a cry, clutching at his ankle and rolling over in agony. When he tried to stand, he could not. I went to help him. He looked up and shook his head. You take it, the chief was shouting, and he was shouting at me. You, Laura, you! He took me by the shoulders and shook me. Come on! So I took up father's oar and my share of the weight on my shoulder, and leaving father behind on the dunes, we ran the gig down the beach and into the sea. We unlashed our oars, leapt in, and at once we were pulling hard for Samson. The waves hurled us up and down so violently that I thought the gig would break her back. I just rowed, and as I rowed, I suddenly realised where I was and what I was doing. I was out in the gig. I was rowing out to a wreck. I was doing what I had always most wanted to do all my life. At last, at last, at last! No one spoke except the chief. He stood in the prow, bellowing at us. Row, you beggars! Row like hell! There's folk in the water out there. Row your hearts out. Row, blast your eyes. Row. And I rowed like I had never rowed before, fixing my eyes on the blade, pulling long and hard through the water, reaching far forward, 
bracing my feet and digging the oar again into the sea. The sea surged and churned around the gig. I became my oar, my oar became me. I was too busy to feel any fear, too cold to feel any pain. The gig grounded suddenly. I had not expected it so soon. We were on Samson already. We hung over our oars like wet rags, drained of all strength. But the chief hadn't finished with us yet. Out, he cried, and he leapt over the side. We'll carry her across Samson and launch her again on the other side. It's the only way we'll reach them. Come on, you beggars. Be time to rest when it's done. So we tumbled over the side, lashed the oars again, and lifted. The neck of Samson is just a hundred yards or so across, but in the teeth of that gale it felt like a mile. More than once I stumbled and fell to my knees, but always there were strong hands grasping me and hauling me to my feet. I can see them, cried the chief. Over on White Island, I can see them. The chief was everywhere, lifting with us, bellowing behind us, clearing the way ahead of us. We reached the beach on the far side of Samson at last and ran the gig down over the pebbles until the sea took the weight of her from us. We unlashed the oars, pushed her out and piled in. Pull, he cried. Pull for your children. Pull for your wives. I have no children. I have no wife, but I pulled all the same. I pulled instead for Granny May, for Mother, for Father and for Billy, especially for Billy. It was no great distance across the narrow channel, but the seas were seething. A witch's brew of wind and tide and current took us and tossed us about at will. Under us, the gig groaned and cried, but she held together. A thunderous wave reared up above us, a great green wall of water, and I thought we must go over. Steady, steady, came the chief's voice, and even the wave seemed to obey him. I felt the boat rise with the wave, surge forward, and then we were surfing in towards the beach where we were dumped high and safe on the shingle of White Island. I climbed out and looked about me. I saw men staggering towards us, and one of them was running ahead of the others. Laura, he cried. I knew the voice, and then I knew him. Billy, I said, taking his face in my hands to be sure, to be quite sure. Is it you, Billy? Is it you? Thank God, he whispered. I have to pinch myself still to believe it as I write it. Billy is back. Billy is safe. Billy is home. We hugged out there on White Island. We cried. We laughed. On the way back to Briar, with the wind and the waves behind us, with new strength in our arms, the gig flew over the sea. We had rescued every man on board, and Billy had come home. I could have rowed that gig single-handed. They had hot baths ready all over the island. Billy sat there laughing in the tub in the kitchen with all of us around and shivered the cold out of him. He was bigger, stronger, different somehow, but still Billy. We had hot soup, limpets again, but we didn't care, not now. I've never seen anyone as hungry. I've never seen mother glowing so, nor father so motherly. Everyone's proud of me, I'm proud of me. Billy's too tired to talk much. He says his ship was called the Zanzibar. She was bound for New York from France. He was suddenly tired, and Mother took him up to bed. He'll tell us more tomorrow. I've just told Granny May again that Billy's back home, but all she says is, The turtle, the turtle. She's asleep again now. I'm so tired, and I'm so happy. December 10th When I woke up this morning, I thought yesterday must be a dream. 
I had to go into Billy's room to be quite sure it wasn't. He was still asleep. He sleeps like a baby, like he always did, with his finger alongside his nose. The wind has dropped. From his window I watched the sea dancing in the morning light. Father was on his way out when I got downstairs, leaning on a stick and limping, but beaming at me. The Zanzibar, he said. She's still on the rocks, what's left of her. But she won't be there for long. We're going out to see what we can take off. Mother tried to stop him, but he wouldn't listen. I tried to go with him, but Mother wouldn't have it. She stood between me and the door, took hold of me, and sat me down firmly. Later on, I went up Sampson Hill with Mother, leaving Billy and Granny May still asleep. Every boat from Briar was out around White Island. The wreck was high on the rocks, only her prow hidden under the water. Her sails were in tatters. There were men crawling all over her like ants. As we watched, we saw the gig pulling slowly away from White Island. She was low in the water. There was laughter across the sea. As the gig came into Rushy Bay below us, I saw something lashed to either side of her. Mother could not make out what it was, and neither could I. The crew shipped their oars some way from shore and let the gig come in slowly on her own. Then I saw the chief and old man Jenkins leaning out over the side. They had knives in their hands, and they were cutting at the ropes. Cows, someone said, and at that moment, amid great splashing and whooping from the gig, six cows came out of the sea and came gambling up the beach. Well, I'll be beggared, said Mother. The crew leapt out after them and then began a great cow chase all over Rushy Bay, Father waving his stick at everyone and shouting. In the end, it was difficult to say who was chasing who. We all ran down Sampson Hill to help and drove them up over the dunes onto the green where they settled at last to graze. Father, all breathless, leaned on his stick and shook his head. Well, he said, would you believe it? But there was a lot more than cows on the wreck of the Zanzibar. All afternoon the boats came back and forth, loaded to the gunnels with timber, with corn and with brandy. Billy was up by now, and along with all the other rescued sailors from the Zanzibar, he lent a hand. By this evening, the beach on Rushy Bay was littered with piles of loot. Every family had their own pile, and we ferried it all back home in donkey carts. We had prayed for a wreck, and a wreck had come, and what a wreck. That a miracle had happened, no one doubts. There is wood enough to rebuild our battered houses, and to rebuild or replace our ruined boats. There are cows to give us milk, all the corn we need to feed us and them through the winter, and there'll be enough over for seed next spring.